Welcome back, guys and ghouls, to Riley Hamilton's 31 Days of Halloween, the absolute scariest podcast that you're legally allowed to listen to on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 31 original spine-tingling tales guaranteed to keep you spooked every single day throughout the month of October. Now you know what I need you to do. I need you to light a bunch of candles, draw a pentagram in your living room made of blood, tell your wife or your girlfriend or your husband to leave the room because you listen to Riley Hamilton's 31 Days of Halloween alone. If your husband asks you what you're doing, tell him you like to have some alone time during the month of October. Now I want you to mentally prepare yourself to get scared because Riley Hamilton's 31 Days of Halloween starts right now. Sarah was so upset when her boyfriend died. It was the truth, and she couldn't shake it. Sarah's boyfriend, Tim, had been jet skiing from San Diego to Catalina Island when, suddenly, a shark jumped up onto the jet ski with him. Tim had thought, maybe this shark just wants to steer the jet ski for a little while. But that was not the case. The shark was in full-blown shark mode, and it bit Tim's head off. He didn't even get close to Catalina Island. He died in between Catalina and San Diego. Sarah got the call an hour later. She had been busy putting up Halloween decorations in the apartment that Tim and Sarah shared together. This would have been their first Halloween together as a couple. They had known each other for four years and always been sort of casual friends, but they had been in relationships. But once those relationships ended, they realized that they actually liked each other a little more than they thought, and they started dating. So it had only been a year of them officially being boyfriend and girlfriend, but they had known each other for a long time, and they were going to celebrate Halloween together. They both prided themselves on being total Halloween freaks. Sarah had loved Halloween since she was a little girl because she had loved spending trick-or-treat nights with her dad, who had died suddenly when she was 10, year o- 10 years old on Halloween night. She had loved Halloween ever since then because she always felt the spirit of her dad on that night, on their last Halloween together. Tim didn't have an emotional story attached to Halloween. He just sort of liked it. He loved being spooked and watched scary movies and listening to scary podcasts like one that he had just started listening to the other day, Riley Hamilton's 31 Days of Halloween. He had loved it so far. Every episode had been very scary and so fun. So it was really bad timing to have Tim die this Halloween day when he did on their favorite holiday that they would have shared together. Sarah got the call and she screamed. It was the jet ski to Catalina company, jet ski to Catalina. The jet ski tour guide called her crying. Sarah, is this Sarah Williams? Yes, it is. Sarah, I have some horrible news. What? What is it? Tim. Your boyfriend, Tim? Yes. What's wrong with Tim? Is he there right next to you? No, I'm afraid he's not. You see, Tim was on our jet ski tour from San Diego to Catalina, and a shark jumped up on his jet ski and killed him. Sarah dropped the phone, her cell phone. That was the worst thing that she had ever heard in relation to her boyfriend. 
Hello? Are you still there? Hello? The jet ski tour guide began to speak, still down on the phone that she had dropped below. She picked it back up. Oh my god. Tim's dead? Yes. Yes, he is. I'm so sorry. That's never happened before. A few sharks have jumped on the jet skis before, but all they wanted was a turn steering it. None of them have ever killed one of our guests before. I understand. I don't think that that would happen very often. Well, I have to go now. I am so upset. I'm going to hang up. Okay, you do that. We're going to send you the body pretty soon, so be on the lookout for it, okay? I will, Sarah said, and she began to break down and weep, and she hung up on the tour guide. Sarah sat in her favorite chair in the little breakfast nook that they had in their house, and Sarah cried. She was definitely upset about the news she had just received, but she didn't want to be alone anymore with this news. She didn't have any parents to call. Her dad was dead, and her mom had disowned her, so... She didn't have anyone to call to share in her grief with, so she picked up the phone and dialed her best friend Betsy's number. Hello, this is Betsy. How are you? Betsy began to Sarah. She was cheerful because she didn't know the news that had just happened. Betsy, Betsy. (gasps) Sarah, what's wrong? Oh my God, you sound horrible. Tell me what's wrong. Betsy, Tim. Tim went on a jet ski, a jet ski from San Diego to Catalina to celebrate Halloween early while I decorated the place and and a shark came up on his jet ski and bit his head off. Oh my god, Betsy said, and she started to cry too. They both broke down weeping. Oh, oh, oh. Betsy, can you please come over? Please. I don't want to be alone right now. Okay, Sarah, I'll be right there. Betsy didn't even hang up her phone. She just ran as fast as she could across the street to Sarah's house. Immediately, she enveloped Sarah in her arms and gave her a big bear hug to comfort her. Sarah and Betsy cried there in the nook, and eventually, once they were able to stop crying, they took turns swapping their favorite Tim stories. Obviously, Sarah had a lot more good Tim memories to share than Betsy did, but Betsy did her best and shared some of Tim's best moments to her. Within an hour of swapping these heroic, fun Tim stories, a man who was very much loved while he was alive, Sarah felt a little better. It was nice having Betsy there on what was usually her favorite day of the year, Halloween. Betsy, will you stay with me today? I don't want to be alone right now, knowing that Tim just died all by myself. I sure will, Sarah. I'll stay right here. Let's just have a Halloween day together. What do you say? That sounds perfect, Sarah said. Then, Sarah watched as the expression on Betsy's face changed. Betsy had always been sort of an oddball, and Sarah knew that Betsy was currently thinking about something that was sort of probably an oddball idea or thought. What's going on, Betsy? I know that look, Sarah said. Oh, it's nothing. It's, It's really nothing. It's just that 
Well, Sarah, I don't know if this is a coincidence or, or cosmic. I mean, I don't believe in coincidences, but you know how I've been studying the occult recently? Yes, Sarah said. Well, one of the books I just got from the library is, is sort of interesting about, about death. About death? Sarah asked. Yes. Apparently, in some occult traditions, there is a window of time within about 12 hours where if you do a certain set of things, I, I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of kooky. Believe me, I, I, am, I don't believe this 100%, but there are some occult theories that if you act quick enough, the soul hasn't had a chance to fly away from the body yet. So there's something you can do to possibly bring the dead back within that period of time. Oh my god, Betsy. Really now, of all times, you want to bring up your fascination with the occult to tell me that I could possibly get my dead boyfriend back? Do you know how hurtful that is? To hear some fanciful, silly, stupid bullshit in the midst of my grief from my best friend? I know. I know. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I would have never brought it up except for the fact that I just, just read something like this. Exactly like this. There was a woman. Her name was Mary Wilkinson. And she wrote a journal back in the 1850s about how she used this series of, of incantations to bring her little boy back to life. Oh my god, Sarah said. Oh my god. Betsy, I know I sound like a foolish, foolish silly person but I, I don't know I, I would do anything to bring Tim back right now do you think that there's any chance that that occult theory is right Betsy who had experienced the benefits of many occult theories in her life she had been able to curse a few people and she had been able to bring back her dog to life so she knew that there was some usefulness to these old occult traditions I know it's horrible but there's a chance this will work, Betsy said. Okay, Betsy. I love you, and I'll try anything right now. I haven't even had a second to process my grief. I just know that I need Tim back right now on this special day, Halloween. Then let's get down to business, Betsy said. First, I need you to bring over a large kitchen knife. So go ahead and grab that gigantic knife and bring it over to me. Okay, okay. Sarah rushed to the kitchen and grabbed her biggest kitchen knife. Okay, now, this part is really bad. I need you to carve a pentagram into your right hand and then use the blood from that bloody pentagram and put it on the floor in between us. Okay, Sarah said, and then she did it. It wasn't that bad. She perfectly placed a bloody pentagram in between her and Betsy. Okay, that wasn't too bad, Betsy said. I thought you'd, it would be a little uh, worse than it was. That wasn't so bad. Thanks for doing that so quickly. No problem, Sarah said. Now, this part is less gross, but philosophically a lot worse. Okay, Sarah said. I'll do anything. It doesn't matter. Okay, but this is... The worst part, I'll tell you, it's worse than what you just did with your, your hand there. No matter what, a death has to be paid 
So if you're going to bring back someone to life, there still needs to be cosmically a death that comes back into the fold to outweigh Tim's death that was stolen from the Dark Lord of Death. Okay, Sarah said, what does that mean? You're speaking gibberish. It means that you and I have to murder someone and bring him into the circle here with us, him or her, Betsy said. Ding dong! Just at that moment, the doorbell rang at Sarah's house. They both shrieked because it had been in the middle of a tense moment that they were having together, so the sound of a doorbell shocked them. (gasps) Betsy and Sarah gasped. It's just my doorbell, Sarah said. It's just the doorbell. It's just the doorbell. I know, I know, I know. I was scared because of the tense situation. I know it's just the doorbell. Ding dong. The doorbell rang again. Ding dong. (gasps) Sarah gasped. (gasps) Betsy gasped again. No, it's just the doorbell. It's just the doorbell. Okay, I know. It's just such a tense situation. Ding dong. By that time, they were sort of over it, and Sarah moved to go see who was at her front door. She used her little peephole to see who it was, and she gasped again. (gasps) It was the jet ski lifeguard guy who had called her earlier to report Tim's death. She knew it was him because he was still wearing a life preserver, and he had a jet ski to Catalina blue work shirt on. Oh my god, Betsy, Betsy, this is the lifeguard manager guy who called me to report Tim's death. She looked again out of the peephole and gasped. (gasps) She was shocked because the jet ski guide was also carrying a gigantic coffin that presumably had Tim's body in it. Betsy, I can't look. The jet ski guide is here and I think he has an ornate coffin that has Tim's body in it. Sarah said she was breaking down. Oh my God, Sarah, sit down. Don't worry. I'll handle this from here. Thank God you called me today. And Betsy went to the door to take over the duties of answering the door because Sarah couldn't. Betsy opened the door slowly and there she saw the most handsome man that she had ever seen in her life. He was a blonde surfer boy who looked so cool to her. She was honestly stunned and made her almost forget the moment. She thought this guy was pretty attractive in her opinion. Uh, hello, my name's uh, Betsy. I'm friend Sarah, friend of Sarah. I'm Sarah's friend, Betsy said. She was flustered. Uh, is that Tim's coffin? Uh, she asked. She was trying to play it casual, but this was obviously a tense situation. Yes, that's Tim's coffin, the guide said. My name is Johnny, by the way. My friends call me John. Oh, okay, John. So, okay, that's Tim's coffin. Well, why don't you come in? Have, have a seat with us. Uh, Sarah will be right in. I'm her friend. Did I already say that? Yeah, you did. Um, all right, I'll, I'll come in. And then John grabbed one of the handles on the coffin and dragged it in to Sarah's house. He plopped it down in the living room. Sarah saw him, and she saw how Betsy was looking at him. Jesus Christ, Betsy. Jesus, now of all times. But Betsy couldn't help it. She thought this man was attractive, and she couldn't disguise it on her face. Hello, I'm Sarah. I'm John. My friends call me Johnny, John said. That's Tim, Sarah said. Yes, I'm sorry. I brought him back. 
I went to a funeral place and I bought him the coffin and then I drove straight here. I'm sorry it took so long. That's okay. I don't mind. Thank you for bringing him. I love this coffin you picked out for my boyfriend, Sarah said, crying. This was so, so sad. I didn't have time to make the body presentable, Johnny said. That's okay. I'm sure you did your best, Sarah said. Yeah, I did. I took his life preserver off, and I put his head back on his body, you know, just a little bit. I just pushed it into each other so that he looked like he was back to normal laying in his coffin. Thank you, Sarah said. Betsy hadn't said a word. She was just in the middle of the throes of a full-blown crush. This is my friend Betsy you, you already met. Oh, yes. Hi, Betsy. How are you doing? I'm good, Betsy said. I'm really good. What were you guys doing here? They watched as his eyes went down to the blood on the kitchen floor, the shoddy pentagram that Sarah had placed there just minutes before. Not much, Betsy said. And then she used her body to block his view of the bloody pentagram. That reminded Sarah this was going to be their only chance, their only chance of bringing Tim back. Sarah gave a look at Betsy, and knowing her friend, Betsy understood. Betsy shook her head. No, not him, her look seemed to say. But then Sarah gave her a nod. Yes, it has to be him. No, Betsy shook her head again. But... It was too late. She was deferential to Sarah, especially on this day, when she had lost someone that she loved. If you'll just excuse me for a moment, I'm going to use the toilet, Sarah said. She needed to go in the bathroom and have a moment to herself before she did what she had to do. She left Betsy and Johnny in the room together alone. So, your name's Betsy, huh? Johnny said. Yep, it's Betsy. And you're John to your friends and Johnny to me. That's right, John said. He took a seat on top of the coffin. This is going to sound kind of crazy and I've never done this before, but there's something about you, Betsy, that's so interesting to me. I was wondering if when this is all over, would you ever want to go out on a date? Betsy beamed a huge smile. Never have I wanted someone to ask me a question like that before in my life, Betsy said. I have the same feeling towards you. I don't know what it is, Betsy said. Well, goddamn, this is awesome, Johnny said. And that was when Sarah walked back in the room with a look on her face that seemed absolutely devilish. Betsy, forgetting where she was and what she was in the middle of, shook off the smile and the feeling that she had towards Johnny. What was she thinking? What was she thinking? This was about Sarah right now. She didn't need to let any any crush get in the way of what they needed to do here. So Betsy steeled herself. Johnny, actually, in relation to what we were just talking about a few seconds ago, I don't actually feel that way. Not at all, Betsy said. Johnny's smile on his face turned into its total opposite, a frown. You could see 
that his heart was breaking on his face. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, no, I understand. That, that was totally inappropriate. I, I'm sorry about that. What were you guys talking about? Sarah asked. Nothing, Betsy said. Yeah, nothing, Johnny said. Well, okay then. So, uh, Betsy, you were going to do something, right? Well, yes, I am. But actually, you have to be the one to do that something, Betsy said to Sarah. Are you guys talking cryptically? Johnny asked. No, Sarah said. Yeah, no, Betsy said. But actually, Johnny, I take back what I just said. I am sort of interested in you, and I like the idea of us going out on a date. Betsy looked towards Sarah with a malicious gaze. So why don't you come over here and give me a kiss on my lips, Betsy said. Okay, I'll do that, Johnny said, and he got up from Tim's coffin and walked slowly towards Betsy. He had his arms outstretched to hold her in an embrace, and Betsy embraced him back, and then he put his lips onto Betsy's, and they kissed passionately, wondrously, a full, full-hearted kiss. Johnny was loving this kiss with Betsy so much that at first he didn't feel the pain, but then it came scorching all through his body. Sarah had taken the large kitchen knife that she had cut her hand with and had stabbed Johnny in the back with it as deep as she could go with the knife. It instantly pierced his heart from behind and Johnny screamed out a blood-curdling scream. Sarah backed away as Johnny desperately tried to find the source of his agony. He reached with both of his hands to try to pull out the knife from his back, but he couldn't. He stretched and tried as much as he could, but the knife stayed there. And then Sarah went one more time and grabbed the handle of the blade and struck it down deeper into Johnny's back. Betsy watched in horror as the man she had just been kissing fell down to his knees and then lay flat down on his face, his back covered in blood. It was clear that Johnny was dead. Betsy looked up at her friend's face, Sarah's face, her friend of 10 years, and didn't recognize her. Sarah looked like a hollowed out version of herself with no identifiable expression on her face. Betsy just watched as Sarah approached Johnny's bloody dead body and ripped out the knife from his back. Okay, Sarah said. What do we do next? Betsy was so stricken with fear at that moment that she couldn't speak. How had she gotten herself into this? She was the one who had recommended this occult way of bringing back people to life but deep down in her heart, she had never expected them to do it, especially not to Johnny, who was someone that she really had a crush on. Betsy had caused all of this pain and death, and now what Betsy needed to do was remove the thinking part of her brain and just act. So that's what she did. Now we recite the words that Mary Wilkinson wrote in her journal to bring her little boy back. I have them here now. So Sarah, join me. Hold my hands. Let's do this together. 
repeat after me. O dark Lord, who can control of death, please bring back to life that which has no breath. Sarah repeated it. Dear dark Lord of death, please bring back to life that which has no breath. Nothing happened. Betsy and Sarah stood there, nervously, looking around, but nothing happened. This had been maybe one of Betsy's classic fake-outs, Sarah thought. Betsy didn't know what she was talking about, and they had just committed murder together. But then, as if hearing her skepticism, the Dark Lord did what they had just requested, and they watched as Johnny's body started to violently shake underneath them, shaking and twisting. It was like he was brought back to life to bring about more pain. And then, as quickly as those convulsions had happened, they stopped, and Betsy and Sarah watched as Johnny let out one last exhale from his mouth, and then he fell back down, flat, onto the kitchen floor. A tear fell from Betsy's eye. And then they both looked over at the coffin in the living room, the coffin that held Tim. And then they heard a rustling from within it. They both watched, horrified, as the lid of the coffin opened up. And then they saw the hand that had caused it. It was Tim. Sarah! A voice croaked from within. Tim's voice. Sarah! Sarah, where are you, honey? I missed you! Tim said. So Sarah walked over to get closer to him. He hadn't opened the coffin lid all the way yet. So Sarah opened it the rest of the way and there she saw Tim her boyfriend the love of her life he was covered in blood still and his head was still disassembled from his body but as she looked down on him she could see that he was fully alive and capable of moving even though his head was no longer attached to his body Sarah, I don't feel so good. I don't feel good anymore. What happened to me? Tim said. He was crying. Sarah looked down at this wiggling, crying, bloody body of her former boyfriend and she couldn't help herself. Vomit arose from her stomach and out of her mouth and she barfed and it dribbled down the front of her face and onto her clothes. Betsy was horrified and went to console her friend, so she ran over, not even thinking about Tim anymore, and then she looked into the casket and saw Tim's bloody, animated body croaking there in the coffin, and Betsy barfed too. They were both covered in barf, and then Tim, his eyes fixated on Sarah and Betsy, and then he saw the barf dribbling out of their mouth, 
and it made him want to barf. But because his head wasn't attached to his body, barf just came up from his dead stomach and out of the stump of his neck, and barf went all over the coffin inside. Sarah, please tell me what's going on, Tim said, still crying, covered in blood, and now barf. Betsy was able to regain her composure quicker than Sarah and Tim. This wasn't affecting her as emotionally as them two, and so she ran over to the sink and grabbed a bunch of paper towels and instantly used it to wipe some of the barf off of Sarah's face. And then, with all of the bravery she could muster, she took some of the extra paper towels and wiped Tim's little face to rid him of all the barf that had come up from the stump of his neck. Sarah somehow, was also able to regain her composure. She shook herself off and then embraced the fact that even though they were all covered in barf and blood, Tim, her boyfriend, was still here and alive. This is what she had dreamed about since the hour before when she had found out that this had happened. She went to the casket and plucked Tim's head out of it and looked him deep in his auburn eyes. Tim, honey, I'm so glad you're back. I missed you. I love you, Sarah. What's happening to me? Tim said. Don't worry now, Tim. I'm going to help you. Can you move your legs and your arms? I think so. Yes, I can. And Betsy and Sarah watched as Tim's body was able to rise out from the coffin he lurched out of it and then they watched as the body's two hands took back Tim's head from Sarah's hands and he placed it back on himself Tim now looked sort of like he did in life except for the horrible bloody serrated edge that separated his neck from his head Guys, thank you. I feel so much better now. Thank you, Tim said. He had to keep one hand to hold his head upright on the stump. Who is that, Sarah? Who is that there on the ground covered in blood? Tim said. Sarah didn't know how to answer. She was so shocked that she had brought her boyfriend back to life. So Betsy, being the stronger one, answered for her. Tim, that is the man that murdered you. He came here to kill us too. And so your wonderful girlfriend Sarah and I had to attack him in self-defense and he died from his wounds. You did that, Sarah? This man came to kill you? Yes, Sarah said. That is what happened to us. Thankfully, we were able to stop him, Sarah said. And now we can lay him to rest. Betsy and Sarah walked over to the corpse of Johnny and, with all of their strength, lifted him up and walked him towards the coffin and then dropped him inside of it. A perfect coffin for Johnny, Sarah said. Yes, this is a perfect place for Johnny, Betsy said, and they closed the casket on him. Tim, because he was feeling so much better now, 
went out into the yard, dragging the coffin, and dug a six-foot deep hole so that they would bury Johnny in their backyard. Once he came back inside, Sarah was ready for him. She grabbed a bunch of scotch tape and taped Tim's head back on his body. A temporary solution, but it worked for now. Betsy went home a couple hours later because she was so tired from all of the occult stuff that they had done and the dragging of Johnny's body and the murder. So she went home and left Sarah and Tim to have alone time together. Tim and Sarah shared a beautiful Halloween evening together. They laughed and they ate candy and they went to bed and made love. They fell asleep in each other's arms. Neither of them woke up when Betsy returned later that night. Betsy went straight to the backyard, dragging something large behind her. In the moonlight there, cast in shadows, Betsy took the large knife and drew the familiar shape on her hand and then pressed it to the grass beside her. She then took the dead body of her elderly neighbor and placed him on top of the pentagram. She then repeated the words they had said earlier that day and with a shovel Betsy unearthed Johnny's coffin. Now there was nothing left to do but wait until she heard the creaking of the lid and Johnny returned to her. The end. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. It was a little more disturbing of a story. Um, sort of sad. A lot of murder and, and uh, the death of two people and, and some occult stuff. Uh, yeah, pretty rough. So, um, I don't know what to say. As always, please, if you can find it in your heart to give me some of your money, I would love it so much. My Venmo handle is just my name, Riley-Hamilton, and no amount is too small. 50, 100, 150, 200. Seriously, you can't give me a small enough amount of money. It would all help. I hope that you don't have too many bad nightmares tonight about Tim's decapitated body or Johnny getting stabbed in the back or Tim covered in barf. But unfortunately, if you do have a bad dream, remember, that's the point. Goodbye, everyone. See you tomorrow.